Hello, and thank you for once again joining us on the Four Glory Podcast. My name is Greg, your sound mixing master, and I play Jack Thorne, an investigator who's quickly finding out he's way over his head. And just like Jack, I'm super curious to see how and why something that happened 500 years ago is suddenly bringing these fey creatures here. Undead, yeah, it makes sense. Ancient sorcerers, Belcora, and all that stuff. But not fey. That's odd. And last week when we had our guest Cory on the show, I was not expecting all that to go down the episode. I definitely had a blast playing through it, though. Cory was a joy to play with, and I think he nailed Scrong. Also, can we pour one out for Gyark? In my opinion, that little dude was taken too soon from us. But Jack is still not too sure what to think of his companions. While there is the basic foundation for teamwork, everyone mainly keeps it themselves. Which, for now, suits Jack just fine. But after the first day, Jack can tell there's a lot of tension after Willem just up and left him in the dark. He's not sure how this is going to affect the group going forward, but we'll just have to wait and see. Before we begin the episode, I wanted to thank you, once again, for taking the time to listen to our podcast. It means much more to us than you can ever know. If you have any feedback you wish to send us, positive or negative, please send us an email at fourglorypod at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. We'd also appreciate it if you could help spread the word about the show. Tell your friends, loved ones, and your gaming group. But for now, pull up a chair, pour a glass of your favorite drink, and let's dive into this week's episode, Otari There Yet. Last time on the Four Glory Podcast. Morning, sunshine. Have a nice nap? I'm not telling you shit. Why should I help you? You killed all my friends. I mean, we could kill you too. We came here to investigate the lights coming from the tower. The king of the gremlins, he's he's strong and he's, he's beautiful. Sure, whatever. So, what's your name? Uh, Kirk? What did you name him? Now I'm gonna get emotionally attached. Orwin, Orwin, it was me. We got a bunch of outsiders here, Gert. They're here. Shut up, yeah. Gert. <laughs> <laughs> that bastard Gork's a traitor. He must have poisoned the mushrooms that's trying to pin the blame on us. You poisoned me. You poisoned me. Orwin's going to deck you. If we are going to continue, I would prefer if we could stay on the same page. Masterpiece. Chef's kid. All he wanted was to impress his boss. (laughs) (laughs) He just fucking killed him. Your story continues now. You return to your bungalow after an hour's trek through the swamp, then the woods, then Otari. You put your key into the lock, turn it, you hear the tumbler slide into place. Take in the salty air as you look over your shoulder at the moon suspended over the inner sea. It's good to be home. It's only a matter of seconds before you recognize an unpleasant odor. His boots are once again on your coffee table. Got a message for you, Doc. Well, hand it over. I imagine the sooner I read this, the sooner I'll get some rest. 
Next time, make yourself useful and bring coffee. He holds out the letter, and as you reach for it, with a flick of the wrist, he jerks it out of your grasp. You gonna read this tonight, Doc? We're playing children's games now, hmm? Yes, yes, I'll read it. You can stay while I do if you're so concerned. I'll even point to the words as I read so you can follow along. He gives a light chuckle. <laughs> you're a funny guy, Doc. I just needed to hear you say you were gonna read it tonight. Now, if you don't mind, I got other business to attend to. Hopefully that business is a bath. Go on now, tell Yinyas Mira that her letter has been delivered and that I'll give it a read before we turn in for the night. Once the ruffian is gone, Gwillem will close the door and will take the letter out, break the seal, and begin to read. Even with Gwillem's head start, V's less circuitous path, and Henry's speed delivers her home at just about the same time. It was a long ride back to the Dawnflower Library. Splitting from the other two once they reached the cliffs above Otari, V headed south, taking a more direct route to her place of dwelling. As she would glance down at the town below, flickers of lantern light could be seen. Signs of activity, even at such a late hour, like small little stars that had fallen from the open sky above. Soon enough, a familiar fence came into view. After all, it had been the first sign of civilization she had seen when the doll had finally found her way out of the woods those couple months ago. Going through the gate, V rode Henry a bit further into the cemetery before eventually dismounting. Tugging on the straps of the saddle, it finally slid off the dog's back with a thud to the ground and instantly Henry charged forward, overtaken by a bout of zoomies. <laughs> what are you doing, you weird dog? How do you still have so much energy? After a few laps and shaking off, Henry runs back up to V, happily sniffling at her, nearly knocking the doll over. She affectionately scratches at his face, granting the attention he sought. Oh, bon garçon, Henry, bon chien. You did so good today! You did not even run away! So brave! Eventually, she stops petting him to instead pick up a loose branch. Henry watches it intently. What do you think, boy? Does we both do good? A firecracker. I think that is what he said. That is good, no? Oh, you do not care. You just want the stick. Fee throws the stick for Henry to fetch. They play that way for a time, though perhaps shorter than normal, considering the adventuring they had previously done. So instead, Henry took to chewing on the branch as V sat in front of him, watching, pensive. This, it certainly feels like the white paths are becoming stronger, don't you think? Even if I was stuck praying. Oh, it felt like at least half the time we were there. And yet, with the ghosts, there was still nothing. Her gaze is lowered, looking at the ground, her hand. But the sound of Henry yawning pulled her from her spiraling thoughts, and she looked back up to him. Her expression softens. Ah, mais oui, she must have known I could handle it on my own. Of course, that is probably it. Allons, Henry, let us head inside. Recollecting the saddle to have Henry carry it again, V led them through the rest of the graveyard. 
Beyond the second gate was a path carved into the cliffside, leading down to the Dawnflower Library, where the doll and her steed would eventually come to find their rest for the evening. Both Jack and Borwin arrive at their respective homes shortly after V turns in for the night. Borwin treks through the Immonwood a short distance to find his simple cabin. He enters and removes his backpack and scale armor, then proceeds to immediately collapse onto his bed and sleep like he's been awake for days. Jack, your path takes you into the heart of Otari. You return to the crow's cask, battered, bruised, drenched in sweat and swamp water. You make your way to the makeshift bedroom that Magaloy allows you to keep in the back room, hoping to settle in and patch yourself up quietly. It's not long before Magaloy pokes her head around the corner while you're mixing a poultice for your leg. That's quite the shiner you've got there, Jack. Oh, uh, sorry boss. I didn't mean to make such a commotion. It wasn't the noise. You smell like the swamp. Oh. Jack, I know it's hard to get out of life. I'm not going to ask you what you were doing out there. I just want to remind you that if you bring any trouble through that door with you, our agreement ends. No, no, it, there's nothing like that, Magaloy. Jack, that... you're here to clean up messes, not make them. Yeah. She turns to walk away. She speaks to you over her shoulder. There's ginger and turmeric on the shelf. It'll help with your swelling. Right. Clean up messes, not make them. The four adventurers finally get some well-deserved rest. Some sleep better than others, but none are able to claim a truly good night's sleep. The question of whether or not to return to the swamp, the uncertainty of one's reality, the unanswered mysteries, the pain of fresh wounds, and the fear of Rin's predictions, all rebuff Mother Moon's sweet embrace. As dawn approaches, the tumultuous night comes to its inevitable end. Before the first rays of the sun peek out from behind the horizon, we shift back to Borwin's humble cabin. His large frame is twisted and heaves in the darkness. The well-loved quilt that should cover him lies in a tangled pile near the foot of his bed. <laughs> Borwin's senses are plunged back into his body as he sits up with beads of cold sweat clinging to his face and chest. He looks over to see if his violent awakening has disturbed her sleep. She's not there. It was another nightmare. This time it was different. You've already lost most of it, but the gnashing teeth on flesh is all that stays with you. You reach down and touch the wound. Even though the magic stitched it up, it still hurts. You pivot to hang your legs over the side of the bed, and your back neck crack. Your right hand aches. You put your hands on your knees and push, rise up to your feet, and begin your day. All right. Time to gather some eggs from Val. Get some scallions and mushrooms from the garden. Alright. Oh, 
don't remember starting the fire for the stove. No matter. <sighs> Sliced mushrooms and scallions. Beat eggs with salt and pepper. Boil water for the coffee. Check. Cook mushrooms until soft. Add scallions. Add eggs to the skillet. Let's turn to the edges hardened. Flip and sprinkle with cheddar from the farmer's guild. Cook until cheddar melts. And time to fold. Top with some scallion greens and serves too. You place the plates on the table. Sit down. Ah, the smell of coffee always wakes her up. Any second now she'll walk through the door. You wait. She never comes. You keep forgetting. <sighs> no sense in wasting a perfectly good meal. Maybe Carmine will be hungry. You gather up the food and the coffee, and you head into town. And as you leave, the fire in the stove goes out, and the door closes behind you. You get to Granary Road, and you head south. You cross the North Bridge, and you're in Otari. A short walk past the Farmer's Guild. A right turn, and you're just about there. At least the weather is great. The sun is warm. It's a nice breeze. Not a gray cloud in the sky. As you arrive at Blades for Glades, Carmine Rajani is sitting in a well-worn wooden chair near the unlit forge. He perks up as he notices you. <laughs> Back so soon from your grand adventure? You know, no refunds on that scale, pal. That was a custom job. No, nothing like that. I've brought you an omelet and coffee. Ha <laughs> ha! Finally! Some good news. I thought my luck was entirely dried up. And coffee, too. That'll help with this headache. It feels like I've got Torog himself just hammering away in there. I actually want to thank you for the mayor. It saved my life out there in the garden. There was oh, a what in the hells are you doing going out that way for? There's nothing up there but rubble and old ghost stories. You're not going back out that way, are you? I don't know. Someone told me I would find answers in the ruin. It isn't safe out there. Might not be worth it. I should think not, pal. Answers don't put coin in pocket. Why risk it? You don't... My great-great-great-great-something-grandmother was in the Rose Guard. Yes, you've mentioned Vol Rajani. She was the greatest warrior the Isle of Kortos has ever seen. You know, she was the one that actually killed Belcoro way back then. She skewered that old witch with my family's magic sword. You've told me before about The that. cooperative blade. The thing radiates good luck. You know, Osif, that cheating, lazy, do-nothing son of a bitch, he's got my family heirloom locked up in the library. You know, I'm pretty sure he used the thing's magic to steal the mayoral election over and over. 
That son of a bitch. With all the grace and self-restraint of a drunken goblin, he crams the entire omelet into his mouth before continuing. Nope. What's going about? Buying the thing back from him. I think that'll bring my luck right back. You know, really turn it around for me. He slurps the coffee. <clears throat> so what's up, Borwin? You didn't just come by to feed me. Uh, uh, about the armor. I, I wanted to thank you. The thing living in the ruins would have killed me without it. The craftsmanship is quite good as well. Eh, there's a simple pattern. It just takes time to pound out all the scales and link them together. You would have been fine. You know, you're a real survivor. Now, shit, you found a way to make it work when Churtle's stopped paying you. You just called me a survivor? Warren can't hide the look of shock in his face. Yeah, uh, I, I didn't mean nothing bad. Are you okay? He reaches out towards you, knocks over the rest of the coffee. You look down at the liquid as it flows away from the impact point on the soot-covered ground. Seems to make the silhouette of a woman. I... I have to go. Thank you, my friend. Uh, uh, alright, Belle. Um, I guess... I guess I'll see you around. Meanwhile... As the warm air blows gently through the eclectic collection of wind chimes hanging from the circular, open-air structure off the bank of the Osprey River at the north end of Otari, Rin is just finishing opening up her unusual shop. The shop consists of a series of display cases and bookshelves arranged in a circle surrounding her home in what I guess could be considered a storefront. And these displays are, in turn, surrounded by what at first glance appears to be standing stones, but, to the perceptive, are in fact wooden frames covered in painted canvas intended to look like standing stones. A familiar black-robed figure trudges towards the unearthly, beautiful elven woman. As Gwillem gets closer, he will immediately demand, Rin, who have you told about our expedition to Gauntlet Keep? A subtle jolt of surprise takes her by the shoulders. She turns around so she can see you with her pupilless eyes. Trying to downplay the surprise, she says, hmm? Oh, well, uh, good morning, uh, first of all. Uh, but I just, just you, and I, b I believe you know Borwin, as well as uh, a man named Jack and a, a lovely, wonderful, living poppet. She calls herself V. I'm I know Corwin. Don't play coy with me right now, Rin. I don't have the time. Who else besides the four of us have you told about sending us into the Godlight? No one. I, I perhaps the dog. They came with V. The dog. Okay. Well, Rin, I was visited last night by a, a stooge of Yinyes Mira, and they oh. know that we have gone to the Godlight. So what have you said? I, that's nothing of my doing. I, they, from my understanding, she has eyes and ears everywhere. 
it's possible someone else saw you. Well, I will continue to look over my shoulder now. But, Rin, tell me, what is it that you are trying to gain with us exploring the gauntlet for you? Honestly, answers, mostly. I've had a... Have you ever been to Kionin? Mm, not yet. Well, I grew up there. In a town called Glitterbow. It's just north of the Tanglebriar. Or, I guess it was. It's gone now. Ten years ago, an army of demons in the service of the great demon tree raiser destroyed everything that I had ever known. Nine days before the attack, I had a, a vision. I could see the flames. They were everywhere. Every house, every shop, even the trees. All wreathed in flames that gave off no heat. And every person I saw was covered in uh, fungus and rot that couldn't be touched. I told my parents, the neighbors, no one was able to see the flames. After some convincing, my parents were able to talk the town elders into preparing. And every single person in that town got evacuated the day before that demon army arrived. And when they did, they burnt that place to the ground. So when I started seeing this light up there in the swamp, and no one I talked to had seen it, I'm... I'm scared. I'm scared that something is going to happen like that here. So please tell me, what have you learned? What have you learned about this light in the swamp? Well, we've learned nothing much of the light itself, but we do know a little bit more about God light. Oh? Yes, uh, we seem to have found the scarring of Battle of the, the Last Conflict with Belcora. Oh. That's interesting. So, with Belcora, the resident nightmare in Otari told to children, you must have imagined that Borwin would have known about this, and you must have known that Borwin, in his recent mental state, with everything he has been through, this would not be necessarily a great place for him. At this point, Borwin approaches Rin's Wonders from the south. You get within earshot. No one seems to have noticed you yet. Having heard Gwilym's question, Borwin's going to hang back a ways from them and try to stay out of sight. Okay, so you're just going to hang back. All right. So Rin responds to Gwilym. She says, Borwin came to me. I could tell he was distressed, but I, all he told me was that there was, he was experiencing what could be a, a spiritual manifestation. I didn't know anything else. I mean, I, the cards told me he'd been through some sort of difficulty, but he, he wasn't forthcoming about it. And I didn't want to press him. Is he okay? Is he all right? Again with the games, Rin, I don't believe... I'm sure that you know, or maybe you'll tell me the cards told you about what he has been through recently with his... Well, with her. Warren's heart sinks. His head hangs. I, I, 
honestly don't know. I just know, based off the cards, some sort of difficult time had happened to him recently, and he's dealing with consequences of it. I, 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 I don't know any details. Uh. Unfortunately, the actual the visions um, they tend to come with things of larger impact than one person's goings on. Well, you've put a fright in him, Rin. Fright that seems to be unshakable so far. I truly am sorry about that. Hearing Rin's apology, Borwin steps into sight and says, Rin, you have nothing to apologize for. Oh, I'm, uh, I'm sorry. I didn't, uh, I didn't hear you come in. Um, good morning. Good morning. I'm, uh, she looks very awkward. She's looking down and kind of fumbling with a stack of books on the counter. I, I, I didn't, I didn't know. It's, um, it's understandable. I, um, I didn't really want to talk about it. It's no fault of yours. Well, I chose to go. I needed to find answers about what's going on around me, what's happening to me. What do you mean, Borwin? What is happening to you? Well, I... I I guess I can't keep it a secret anymore, but I've been experiencing oddities in my home. Things moving without any reason or form. Like this morning. I was dreaming of her. Dreaming of the keep. I want to know why things are moving in my home. I want to know why everything is happening. I know that I didn't start the fire in. It has to be her. It has to be her. You said that I would find answers in the keep. Well, with you asking so many questions, it is perhaps not too much of a surprise that Yinyas Mira has caught scent of our little adventure here. I would advise, Borwin, that you don't divulge too much information to anybody that's not in our party or in this tent. As far as it goes, I've only told one person, and Carmine knows. Who was it? The blacksmith. Hmm. Well, Baldwin, I've given it some thought from yesterday, and I should apologize for leaving you alone in the dark. Just... just know that I also apologize about what had happened, and I didn't mean to hurt you with me. I, I just... I didn't mean to hurt you with... I, I promise you I wasn't going to swing my axe at you. I just... I, didn't, I don't know what came over me. 
It was quite a moment of chaos, that's for sure. Well, Borwin, um, have you happened to catch sight of any of the other members of our party? Did I see anybody from our party coming towards Rin's tent? Uh, you didn't, but you do now. You look around, and you can see coming up the path, Jack Thorne. I see Jack coming down the road. But as for V, I have no idea where she would be. Mm. Yes, well, with everybody seemingly on different pages, as it were, with our adventure, I think it would be rather prudent of us to make sure that we find a way to go forth together. But, uh, oh, Jack, how are you this morning? Morning, gentlemen. And he just kind of just briskly walks past. Where are you, where are you going? Uh, towards uh, Rin. They're uh, standing right in front of her, talking to her right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's uh, there's not really anywhere else to go. You're kind of oh, okay. at the at the end of the road, like right at the tent. Like you just okay. keep walking. Like, see you later, guys. I'm going for a swim. <laughs> I was gonna, I was gonna say he goes full Skyrim and just clips into the table. <laughs> <laughs> just starts walking okay, straight me, uh, up the side of the cliff. Let me uh, rephrase it then. All right. Cutting that previous part out. Yeah, sure. That's what you hope. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. All right. <clears throat> oh, morning. Uh, Rin, can you let me know when you got some free time? I wanted to talk to you about something in private. Oh, um... Yeah, yeah, I guess. Uh, I mean, it's do you. Is there anything else that I can do for you, gentlemen, while while you're here? Any any other questions or anything that I can do for you? I have asked everything that I need answered so far, and although I didn't get the answers I need, I still have a better direction. I don't know about Borwin, but uh, I shall make some quick preparations and. Well, Borwin, if you should like to pick me up on the way to Gauntlet Keep, I will be waiting at the bridge. I'll meet you there. And uh, Gwilym, sensing that, uh, well, not sensing, being told essentially that he's not wanted there, <laughs> um, he is going to... Your very keen elven senses. <laughs> he is going to uh, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so you, uh, fuck off into the, uh, mid-morning. Orwin looks at Jack's face, knowing that he caused the damage, and stands there in silence. You can see he tried to treat his shiner. The bruising has gone down a little bit, but his eye is still kind of half shut. Orwin turns to Run and says, I will be seeing you, Run. Thank you for your time. Of course, take, take care. He nods, then turns to Jack, avoiding his gaze. Rowan opens his mouth as if to speak, but nothing comes out. He hangs his head and walks away. Jack doesn't really do anything. He's just waiting for everybody to leave. Well, the wait is finally over. Hooray! <laughs> so you are now alone with Rin. Jack immediately just deflates. Just goes, <sighs> Ren, you have no idea what 
kind of night that was. Yeah, I heard some concerning things. Oh. What, uh... What happened? Well, starting from the top, we got ambushed by gremlins in the in the gauntlet. Um, oh yeah, by the gremlins. way, we, gremlins or whatever these things are. I didn't really sketch one. I can sketch one later on if we find more. But <clears throat> looks like we got ourselves involved in a civil war between one gremlin group and I don't know if it's another gremlin group, but they call them like the mushroom heads. And this is not what I expected. Um, yeah, there's also just creatures in the gauntlet that there's something straight out of a nightmare, like maggots with human faces, uh, flies the size of a horse. And no, I'm not going to call him a horse fly. <laughs> She, uh, as you describe what you've seen, her jaw drops little by little by little after every bizarre fucking thing that you have mentioned. Until she's fully agape. You make the crack about the horsefly. She uh, chuckles a little bit to herself and kind of shakes it off. Right. So there's a lot of stuff that's been going on. Apparently we're trying to find the leader of the Mushroom Maids for this more strong character who just seems to be a leader of one gremlin pack. And it's... We got, I mean, we got, you know, two crudely drawn maps. One of which, and then he pulls it out and shows it to her. Mainly the, uh, the dungeon map. She looks at it. I have no idea what to make of this. I mean, this... I'm guessing that's supposed to say dragon? Um, Yeah, from what I can decipher from it, it seems to be a dragon in the water. So I'm going to call it a water dragon for now. That's fair. I'm not really going to put too much stock into it until I actually see it with my own eyes, of course. But... That's one concern that I have right now. Well, what about the... What about the light? Nothing yet. Still trying to figure that out. From what I've heard, there's... There's a lighthouse out there. Is that still there? Yeah. We just gotta get to it. We just didn't expect so much resistance. And honestly, that's... The other thing that's concerning those uh cobalt ghosts that came up uh the big guy Baldwin. i'm kind of worried about his mental state because he just flipped out that's that's what i've been hearing yeah he from the stars and the cards and He should make it through this. Whatever, whoever this person is that he lost recently, it must be weighing on him terribly, but I just, I feel so terrible about it. 
but it's it's what's written in the stars. It, you know, it, it's not always pretty. It's not always a happy situation. Indeed, but Baldwin's not my only concern. This quartet is just seems to be a nip and a dram away from killing each other. We're disorganized, there's no planning, and the only one that talks is the elf, and he won't shut up. We're just so dysfunctional. To be honest, it reminds me of my own family. Yeah. But I mean, I still trust your judgment. I'm still going to do this thing, but that's the third concern that I have, where I went back home, and... Magaloy gave me an ultimatum. Huh. And, I mean, you, you know my past. Yeah. And I don't want anything to affect that. If it becomes too much, I might have to, you know, on my own. I, I understand. I just, I fear... <sighs> I fear whatever... Whatever this light means is going to happen tonight. Did you get any more visions or predictions or anything like that? I mean, I definitely believe you that something's going on at Gauntlet. I saw the lights for myself that when I was up there. You've seen them? Mm Mm-hmm. From the lighthouse, we didn't get a chance to go that far, though. It's very concerning. I'm assuming Gwillem told you about the Scorch Marks from the Rose Guard's battle with Belcora. Yeah, he mentioned it. It's... I'm not sure how they would be related to... That's hundreds of years ago. I have a theory, but I don't want to say anything until I get more information, but... I've been keeping a journal, too. And he pulls out a journal and shows her. Just trying okay. to keep everything documented for you. Well, I appreciate that. Do you mind if I take a look? Sure. And he passes her the journal. Yeah, she starts flipping through it. Human-faced maggots. What could that be? Well, I'm guessing it's probably a uh, maggot with a human face. Well, I get that. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Dr. Science. Um, uh, yeah, we'll test to recall knowledge. Nah, no clue. What else have we got? So a fly the size of a horse, that is not something that normally happens. I've seen some big flies in my days, but not anything bigger than the... And she kind of holds out the tip of her thumb. Nothing bigger than this. But the size of a horse, that... That must be some sort of extra planar influence causing it to grow to that size. Either that, or maybe those things are coming from wherever the gremlins are coming from, since they seem to be fey in nature. It is possible. Must be some sort of rift or connection to the first world, then if that's if that's what that's if that's what's going on, it's very concerning. Very concerning indeed. Right. 
Let's see more gremlins. I can't tell what this sketch is supposed to be here of this stinky mushroom eyes. I, I, I'm not sure what that would even be. I'm guessing that's the, the, the mushroom king that, you know, boss Scrong wants us to depose, as it were. Huh. I mean, I'm not planning on doing that unless absolutely necessary. Like, if, they, if we go to this thing, maybe if, they, if we can't reason with them and they try to kill us, then, you know, self-defense and all that. Sure. But that said, though, just the fact that the gremlins are apparently breeding giant flies, like, that in and of itself concerns me, especially since two of them flew off and we couldn't catch them. I wonder if that has something to do with the light. Maybe. I mean, apparently, you know, at least from what I can do, either they use giant flies or attracted by fire, and they eat fire. That does not sound right. Oh? No. No, I think you're thinking of moths, and eating fire is... I have been waiting this whole time to see if this would come up! I have been waiting! <laughs> oh, man. Um, yeah, eating fire, that... Uh, no. No, that doesn't make sense either. Oh, I think you're. I think you're confused. But uh, nobody said anything last night. I. I don't know what to tell you. Assholes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the day just gets better. No, I, I. I can't. I can't ask you to put yourself in danger again, but. I fear that whatever's going to happen is going to happen tonight. Well, you can still count on me. I need you to find out what that light is. I'm more curious about that myself. I don't, uh, but I don't know if the others are, though. Like, everyone just kind of left on a really sour note last night. Yeah. I, mean, I didn't know that Gwilm could even change it to a rat. He just left us huh. in the dark. I mean, it's good to go out of my torches, but still. Yeah, it's good to go prepared. Speaking of, what I was thinking about doing was after this, before my shift starts, I was going to try and get some uh, potions. That's probably a good plan. Well, let me check my wares. And she opens the adventure book to see what she has available. <laughs> okay, here we go. Okay, yeah, she doesn't have potions. Um she has non-ammunition consumable items, uh held items, staves, wands, and worn items. Okay. <clears throat> what about at the Dunflower Library? Oh, not available at the library. Surprised. I thought potions would be there. Um, That's weird. Saren Ray's whole thing about healing. Uh, yeah, they don't have potions, though. Mm. So, like, the library has uh, healing magic, religious items, and divine scrolls, but not hmm. potions. Is that something Yinyas Mira might have as, like, a, you know, 
back alley kind of a thing. Beverages, meals, lodging, illicit goods, and thieves gear. Mm, that's good to know. Do you think maybe I could try to find some at the Crow's Cask? Oh yeah, Crow's Cask is going to be the, the place for potions, so we'll deal with that a little bit later. Alright. <laughs> so at this time, well, you wouldn't hear the approach of Fee on the dog. Um, I guess it would be up to you to, if you wanted to to make yourself known, or do you, or do you want to just stay quiet until this is done, or what do you want to do? Okay. Do you want to? Nah, she'd make herself known. That's not doesn't sound like anything she has to sneak about. Okay. She clear her throat and then call out. Bonjour. Uh, seems I am a little late. Is everyone already leave? No, it's it's just me and, and Rin. Oh, good morning. Bonjour. Good morning, Henry. And she bends down to hold her hand out towards Henry. Well, a good working dog wouldn't uh, wouldn't react. So <laughs> well, <laughs> kind of look at her. I mean, like a little happy wag, but not. So right uh, see, you said a good working dog wouldn't react. <laughs> what would Henry do? <laughs> He's a good boy. <laughs> I didn't say he's not a good boy, but he's not a good working dog. You're like, okay, ride into battle. And he's like, mm-mm. <laughs> Go over there. <laughs> okay, he'll sniff at her hand. <laughs> she smiles and straightens back up. Do you have any insights into what was going on up there? I think you've already spoken with Monsieur Jacques about what happens up there. I, I did. The other two were here earlier as well. No one had any real insights into what was going on or what caused this light. Mm, well, the only the only conclusion we can seem to reach is that there was something that caused fake creatures to show up there. That is the only thing I could think is that that light has something to do with the fae. It could. It could be. Well. On that note, Grin, nice seeing you again as always. And V. Jack gives V a nod, and he heads off towards the crow's cask. Take care, Jack. Be careful. I always am. So do you have any insights for me, or any questions, anything that I can do for you? No, that I think of it, there is something I did not quite know. There were these ashes on the wall, and they mentioned it was a fight against someone named Belcora, but I have never heard of a name like that. Yeah, yeah, they mentioned that. Where do I start? About 500 years ago, according to legends and books that I've read, Belcora was a, a wicked sorceress who was devoted to some sinister, long-forgotten god. The legends say she built that keep out there in the swamp as some sort of shrine and fortress. People traveling between Theobel and Absalom would disappear from time to time. Eventually, a dwarf arrived in Absalom 
He was the sole survivor of a trade caravan that had been attacked near the fog fen. The story goes that the caravan was ambushed near the Osprey River. She points to the gently flowing water, it's just a stone's throw to the west of where you are right now. And that everyone not slain in the initial attack was dragged back to Gauntlet Keep. That's when the story gets macabre. They say that the dwarf described live sacrifices and torture and acts of ritualistic cannibalism. Well, the stories of the dwarf made their way back to one of the old hunting lodges. It's a, a kind of club for adventurers in Absalom called the Rose Guard. It's four brave members, Asefna Menhemis, Zarmavdion, Volrhani, and Otari Ilvashti. They all went out to Gauntlet Keep to confront Belcora, and they killed her there. But Ilvashti died in the process. They decided to settle down nearby and founded this town, named it after him. Well, that was supposedly the 4200s, almost 500 years ago. She's she's long dead. And the only thing that Belcora does these days is frighten children in old ghost stories. You know, Jack's notes did mention ghosts. We, we fought some ghosts there ourselves. That's concerning. What did these ghosts look like? They were... These... Ghastly... These little... Kobold-looking things. Kobolds? It, we found their remains um, in the in the rooms that they attacked us in. After we burned the remains, they did not bother us anymore, but... You're sure? They were definitely kobolds. It was a little hard to see them with how much they were flying around, but... We... Interesting. Yeah, there's been... Some trouble with kobolds nearby recently. Now you said you found their remains. Do you you have any idea how old they would have been? Maybe a few weeks. Interesting. I think there is something out there. Something, Something that's either keeping these spirits there, or... Maybe drawing them in. I'm certain Borwin is going to find his answers out there in that swamp. I'm afraid you may encounter more of these... lingering souls. Ghosts. Trapped out there in the ruins. That is not too much of a surprise. The maps that that Gremlin King left us. Did they tell you about the Gremlin King? Uh, briefly, <laughs> yes. <laughs> right, he, uh, he gave us a map. There were more rooms marked with ghosts in them. So, that's I, what I am expecting. I didn't see any ghosts on the map that Jack showed me. I just saw a dragon and some sort of mushroom eye thing. Not sure what that would be. But, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense that there would be more. Do you plan to return? 
to the keep? I do. I do not know of the others, but I plan to return. Good. I appreciate the help. Find out what's going on with that light. I think it could be... I think it could be very significant to the future of this town and the people in it. Right, well, if I'm going to be returning tonight, there's things I must do. Julie, I have this bottle that we found. I do not know if you would know anything about it. Takes out the bottle labeled yum. Yes. Be glad to take a look. She takes the vial, turns it over in her hands, holds it up to the sun, looks through it, uncorks it, gives it a sniff. Hmm. She draws out a eyedropper, a pipette. She draws out a pipette from a box of supplies and dribbles just a tiny bit of this liquid onto some specially treated paper. It changes color, goes from white to uh, brownish. She says, this is some, some kind of poison. I would, uh, and then she looks at the part of the bottle that says yum. I wouldn't try drinking this. I was suspicious to drink it anyway, for knowing that. So it's not yum. Not yum. It's the opposite of yum. Badong. Yuck. Well, I'm sorry, dear. What is <laughs> that? This is badong. I thought you said yonk. <laughs> yonk. Uh, I, I would not try drinking this. <laughs> but can we get the mushroom king to drink it? No, you ain't getting this. <laughs> I'm not, I'm that's, going, that's exactly <laughs> what B was thinking the second she said it was poison. Like, ah, no, he's not getting this. Curses. Not gonna lie, when you said it was significant, I was like, and, and it was significant. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. If you, and I mean you, the one listening to this mess, if you have never seen the movie Kung Pao, do yourself a favor. She says... Uh, after she says, I would not try drinking it, she says, There's a place in town called the Crow's Cask. It's owned by a, an interesting woman named Magaloy. She could probably tell you more about it. Also, if you do find more spirits trapped in that place, I can teach you some techniques to release them. Just let me know. Bako. Well, thank you for your ups, and I shall head off and get ready for tonight, I suppose. Thank you. Be careful. I'll see. And she will trot off on Henry. As V heads south along the footpath, we see Rin, now standing alone amongst her collected oddities and curios. She looks towards the north, towards Gauntlet and the Fogfen. A sea breeze flicks her long white hair towards the ruins as she squints, trying to see the Cambridge blue 
beacon through the mid-daylight. She shivers at the sensation of being watched. One more time, she mumbles to herself as she picks up her harrow deck and begins to shuffle. We see a close-up of her hands working the cards. Four riffles. A pause. A fifth riffle. Then the cards hit the countertop. The Wanderer. The Vision. The Paladin. And the Survivor.